Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the episode of the Drunk Dashers Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler. Join me is Colonel Gables. Normally, this would be the part where we get all excited to talk about the things that we do we know and love about video games. But Gables, we are here for another reason. Yeah. We are here to remember E3. Oh, uh, yes. Gables, I don't know if you can hear the music right now. Oh, I can hear it. <laughs> So good. I'm really happy this is working. Okay. Gables, we are here today to remember our sweet baby boy, E3. Now, if you allow me, I have written a little something here for E3. Okay. As E3 walked through the valley of the shadow of death, it took a look at their life and realized there's none left. Because we reacted and laughed so long that even Jeff Keighley thought it was gone. E3 had 21 events, 21 events, but we asked ourselves, would it have 22? The way things were going, we didn't know. Tell me why were the ESA so blind to see that the only that the ones they hurt were Gables and me? Been spending most of our lives living in an E3 paradise. Been, sp- been spending most of our lives. <laughs> Living in a E3 paradise. E3 had the power and the money. The money and the power. We gave them minute after minute. And hour after hour. Everyone was running. But the, a- the ESA wasn't looking. It's going on in the Microsoft Theater's kitchen. But ESA didn't know. That Jeff Keeley was cooking. Been spending most of our lives living in an E3 paradise. Been spending most of our lives living in an E3 paradise. Rest in peace, E3, 1995 to 2021. Now, if you allow us to have a moment of silence for our sweet, precious boy, E3. Thank you guys so much for that. Anyways, guys, this is the Drunk Dashers Podcast. For every week, Gables and I get together and talk about video games. I am Tyler. That is Gables. If you guys mm-hmm. like all that, enjoy all this. It's the stupidest fucking thing we've ever done. This is the Drunk Dashers Podcast. <laughs> this is episode 587. This is the last normal show of the week, or of the year, yeah. rather. Uh, yeah. Gables and I are going to do two shows tonight. This was episode one. Hope you guys liked that. If you, if you did, I, I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, Gables, I, I just... I was at work the other day, and I was like, man, it'd be really funny if someone did an E3 eulogy, and I don't think anybody has. So, you know what, Gables? I figured, why not us? You know? Why not us? Yeah. So I hope you guys appreciated that, you know? Um, <laughs> I just like I was like, thinking, what, what did I say? And then I just started singing the Gangster's Paradise, uh, Coolio's Gangster's Paradise, and I was like, oh, this actually works out. So anyway, that's what we did. Uh, <laughs> if you guys <laughs> like this show, for whatever reason, if you're still here, we appreciate it. Please like, follow, subscribe, check us out wherever you are. Um, if you guys are listening to this as a podcast, uh, please go to our YouTube channel, Drunk Dash Nerds, and you'll find us. And just watch it. It's a, I, I enjoyed that. It's a, very, it's a, it's a fun phys- uh, visual, visual gag as well. Uh, but anyways, um, yeah, please check us out. Uh, we do this every week. We're just two guys. Get together. Talk about video games everything we love about them. Uh, so anyways, Gables, um, I think we can just skip the how you doings. Let's just get into it, Gables. <laughs> Might as well. Fuck it. We're already in it, Gables. 
E3 is officially dead. Um, sweet mm-hmm. baby Jesus, sweet baby boy, is dead. Uh, after more than two decades of hosting an event that was has served as a central showcase for the U.S. and global video game industry, the Entertainment Software Association has decided to bring E3 to a close. This is from the ESA CEO Stanley Pierre Luis. Um, I you know I feel like we've talked about this a lot already. I mean, it just it's been coming up the last like you know three or four years. We've been hearing it year after year for people that go to the event year after year, and they talk about every year it's becoming less and less and. Like a lot of people even said in 2019, at the 2019 event, well before COVID became a thing, that we didn't know if like, hey, is this coming back next year? You know, or like, because they were talking about like, oh, the, like it's becoming smaller and smaller. Like it used to be a completely full and yep. less and less people are going. Um, journalists and people that actually work, um, you know, in the video game industry, um, you know, we've seen like Sony, Sony completely pulled out. Uh, they announced that. In 2018, that they they pulled out 2019, and they said they they weren't even going to do a 2020 show before COVID. Um, EA and Xbox started putting their events um, down the street from them yep. at the Microsoft Theater, which is where I got that that reference from, by the way. Um, and then like a lot of other third party publishers that maybe like 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 the uh, Take Two or 2K or like you know Rockstar or um, you know even you know sometimes like you know, some other you know other smaller publishers like they realize instead of like going there and like setting up their own booths and or like having their own events like it was just cheaper and easier to just give their game to one of the big three console makers and put it in their show and then have it at their booth uh, you know jeff Keeley announced um after uh 2019 e3 that he was not going back to the next one um uh, and obviously summer game fest took off from there uh you know in 2017 they started allowing like to really kind of boost profits they just like decided to allow like the public in um, without really working with the people that are working at the show or the people like the, the you know the publishers and developers that are there to like put on an event for reporters and journalists that are actually there to like do a job and then that became an entire shit show it's so, like nobody was happy there the people that paid to go to the event the reporters the journalists the content creators there to like to do, do work the people at the event working there um, weren't happy the developers the publishers nobody was happy everybody was pissed off uh, and then in 20, like 2020 they canceled it because of uh COVID, but there was a lot of rumors and reports that they could have, they might have canceled it anyways, but COVID was just their excuse. And then they brought it back in 2021, lost nearly $4 million putting the event together. Um, they had all these ideas. They, they, they spent like uh, over a million dollars building this app that they, they were going to use to like try to make it so like people could um, like kind of like, you know, you always hear about like the, like the, the behind the scenes, like they allow like, like the, you know, the reporters and stuff would go into these back rooms and like watch like hour, like the you know, long twenty-minute gameplay sessions yes. of like stuff that wasn't shown to the public or stuff like that, or they would show it to them for we got to see it so they can like write about it and have it ready to go when it when it goes. Like they were gonna do this app where basically we could do the same thing virtually. That actually just completely fell apart, didn't happen. Um, so yeah, um, and then we heard, you know Repop was gonna bring it back earlier this year. Obviously that didn't happen. You know, Nintendo, Square Enix, Ubisoft all like said they weren't gonna be at E3 because of it. And then they eventually canceled it. Uh, then the ESA finally came out and announced that uh, they're officially canceling themselves. Gables, how? Yeah, now it's a fi- now it's officially official. How we how we feeling? Honestly, I'm feeling kind of sad that yeah, it is over. But at the same time, there have been a lot of highs, definitely a lot of lows, a lot of funny shit. But also, it was about time for it to be put out of its misery. Yeah. Yeah, um, it sucks too because like I feel like the event itself, um, 
you know, like it definitely needed a change. You know, we talked about this, like definitely, the, you know, the, like the, the complaint, a lot of people were saying this is before, you know, all the stuff started happening. This is a lot like four or five years ago. People were saying this is like, they didn't really want to change. Cause it was like, this was a cash cow for them. Like ESA is a lobbyist group. They're a nonprofit and over half of their, their income came from E3. So like, this is a huge money maker for them. And like, yeah, they didn't want this to go away um, because, and they didn't want to change anything, but you know, charging developers and publishers millions of dollars to just be a part of the events, charging ridiculous sum of money to like put in a booth in this event center that all they're doing is renting on an event center. And then yeah. like they own the name of E3 and then they rent, they own the time for the, uh, like the event center. And then they're charging a ridiculous sum of money to do all this. And then on top of that, you hear about like they charge like the nickel and dime you on like, um, like you, you have to pay extra, you have to pay for like the internet. You have to pay for like per outlet. You have to, um, ESA hires the people that, you know, the, the you know, companies can't like, you know, Nintendo's there. They can't like, you know, go to Subway and bring Subway back to their, their employees working. Like they have to pay, um, whoever the ESA hired to like feed the people there. Like they have to pay the ESA for those people to bring them food and they charge them a ridiculous huh. amount of money. So it's like, yeah, it's like, you see like, yeah, that's what we hear about like PlayStation. It's like, or like Microsoft. It's like, yeah, it's like they're spending, you know, like they were spending 10 over 10, some of these cases over $10 million to put on these shows there. And a lot of that was them like, renting out the booth space and all that shit. It's like, you know, then you hear like, yeah, Microsoft, like we can just do it down the street or across the street and control it and have our own shit and be a frat. It's like, we can just rent out a theater ourselves and just do the shit there. And it's a lot cheaper. And then obviously as you know, we've seen like Nintendo, like they, they still had the booth, but then they just started doing the direct. So it's like, instead of renting out yep. a theater to do the press conference, we can just do control the messaging ourselves. We don't have to have the weird, you know, all the shit going wrong during the Wii days. Cause like everybody's like the Wii motes getting fucked up by the cell phones. Um, you know, and stuff like that. Uh, you know, obviously oh, I, yeah. it's, it's, it's a case of them. They didn't want to change. And when they finally started to change, uh, or like try to make some changes, uh, COVID hit and basically is one of those cases where in a lot of cases I feel like uh, you look at things in um, in the world where like things were dying and COVID just kind of sp- sped up the process on a lot of things like uh, like a lot of like there's like a few places actually around here where you can like go and like rent movies and shit and like rent video games and like then you know they were like they were obviously dying but like they were still there and they like still go there uh, but like they didn't survive you know COVID shit like that like you hear like you see like movie theater stuff like that like um amc is in a lot of trouble financially uh and they could potentially go go bankrupt this year and stuff like that so it's definitely one of those cases where like a lot of things that were like slowly going down just like it just really just sped up the process on that i feel like you know the esa was their own worst enemy and it's just it's just sad it's just really sad and it's like you know like the the e3 thing was like i remember like justin and i being my best friend justin did the podcast with us years ago um and we always talk about as kids, like, you know, like 2000s and shit when we were teenagers and stuff, like reading, uh, you know, video game magazines or just watching like videos in the early days of the internet and like V3 and stuff. And like hearing stories of people like, you know, like Jeff Gertzman's and other world and stuff like that, like that we've been going for, you know, over two decades now. And it's like, man, it's like, and you always hear people, it's like, this is like going to E3 was like the you made it moment. And it's like, man, I was, yes. Going to E3 was like always on my bucket list. And I think I was every kid growing up, like a video game player. Um, that was always like a bucket list thing. And it's like, it's just kind of sad that like, I don't know. It's always, it's never going to 
not be on my bucket list of going to E3. Uh, and, you know, like that was like always a, like, you know, yeah, you made a moment. And like now there's like, there's like, they don't have, there's not that moment. There's not that event. There's not that thing uh, anymore for like, you know, content creators in the video game world are, you know, if you're like, you know, you're working at, uh, you know, a media at a, you know, you're working at IGN or GameSpot or you work for an independent media uh, company like that covers video games. It's like, you don't have, you'll, you'll never have that moment. You know, you like, so it just, no. it just sucks. It's, it sucks for like a lot of people in our generation and people, maybe the generation below us, you know, like that, you know, um, I don't know what they call it, that Gen Z. I don't really know anymore. Um, okay. I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't, yeah. Anyways, oh, just really sad, but, um, I, I guess Gables, I wouldn't be shocked in three years from now, they try to bring it back or, um, maybe ESA tries to sell the name off for a bunch of money and someone buys the name up and tries to do something with it. But I don't know what summer game fest, and Jeff Keighley and all that. I wonder if like this, just now, like, you know, there's probably, I wonder if like Nintendo and stuff that like companies that like, that were kind of hold like that haven't really done anything with Jeff Keighley or maybe now, um, you know, with summer game fest, maybe like they'll like, they're holding out for E3 to come back. Maybe this was like the thing that like, all right, cool. We'll be a part of it. Or, or maybe we'll just never have that moment again. It's going to be how it's been the last couple of years where, you know, uh, Nintendo does just does their direct, like the end of June PlayStation does theirs in like two, three weeks before a summer game fest. So I don't know, but, uh, anyways, Gables, let's, uh, let's move on here to some other news. Gables, we had Sony was hacked again. Um, yeah, this time, uh, it's been the second time it's been hacked this year, but it was actually, it wasn't luckily for our, you know, our sake, I guess it hasn't been customers. It's been like, unfortunately it's been employees that have been getting hacked. Uh, but yeah, this time insomniac was hacked. Uh, Sony and PlayStation have confirmed the, the, the fact that they were hacked. Um, part of it that what's interesting here is, so there's some Wolverine screenshots that are out there. Apparently, uh, I haven't looked at them. I just don't want to know. Um, but three unannounced projects, um, were kind of revealed in here. Um, well, it's not revealed, but there's been some code names here. So a couple of these you can kind of figure out on your own. Um, RCE is one of them. Spider-Man 3, which is no shit. If you beat Spider-Man 2, that's obviously setting up for a sequel. And Spider-Verse. Um, so I guess, I, I, I don't know if I, I heard this and forgot about it or I just didn't know. But apparently uh, there's like a... Insomniac has been working on a multiplayer Spider-Man game. Um, so some believe that the Spider-Verse game is that, which... It makes sense because you know Spider Verse, you, you can probably just create your own Spider Man and go from there. You look at like Spider Verse is a very popular thing nowadays, especially with like the with the uh, animated movies we've had recently. And some are believing, uh, so RCE, we don't know for sure what that is, but some believe it could mean our, another Ratchet and Clank game. So, um, Gables, how you feeling about some of the stuff that we're seeing here? On, well, let's see. From what we are initially could be seeing down the line, you know, Spider-Man 3, no-brainer. I mean, as popular as the Spider-Man games have been when they've yeah. released them out right there, I mean, there's definitely a lot of story left to be told for the third game, the third entry into that, uh, inside of Somniac Spider-Man series. For a Spider-Verse, an MMO, or like a live-service sort of thing with Spider-Man, I mean, that has some possibilities, you yeah. know. Like a live-action like a live action game, or live-service game. Possibly. Not live-action, yeah, yeah, live-service. Yeah. yeah, the whole live service strip of stuff. All depends upon what Sony's going to initially go for, allow them to do. I mean, it could be some where they could not be like fully extendable. Maybe they'll pull back a little bit on that sort of thing and to try to delve into something else. And quite honestly, RC3. RCE. Kind of 
RCE. Yeah, sorry. RCE. Yeah. Okay. I don't know why the fuck I was thinking EC3, for God's sake. Yeah. Um, the Ethan Carter the third. <laughs> I don't know why that acronym, that, you know, the acronym and stuff like that, just yeah. to do that stuff. But uh, RCE, it could be that, you know, it could be Ratchet and Clank. It could be possibly something like a Resistance Collection or something like that. Okay. I was, I was going to ask you, I can never remember, because there's Killzone and there's Resistance. Killzone was the, is yeah. the gorilla... Isn't that it's, Killzone yeah, Gorilla? Yeah, it's Gorilla. Okay, I Killzone's always gorilla. I can never remember who does what. Insomniac, Insomniac is resistance. Was resist. Okay, all right. Always, always forget. Always, I don't know why I cannot remember. But yeah, the Resistance trilogy, you know, was met like with. Uh, it was fine. It wasn't gonna be like say the Halo Killer or something from like the 360 yeah. era type of stuff. I mean, Hayes did no, that. It, Hayes <laughs> was an attempt to try to do that, and it failed miserably. But. Uh, as far as the quality goes, I mean, I only played the original Resistance, Follow Man and stuff. It was fine, you know, but it did have plenty of, like, uh, little glitches and stuff like that inside of it. The second and the third were better, from what I understood, but never got around to playing those ones. But if we did have a... Re- if we did have, like, a remastered or something like that of, like, the entirety of Resistance, you know? Yeah, I, go. I just thought of something funny. What if RCE means Re- Resistance Collector Edition? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be fucking funny. I, I don't know. Like uh, I remember, I tried playing. I bought the um, Resi- Resistance. Like they did the PS3 collection. Um, yeah. Some years, like obviously, some several years back. And I remember buying because I never played them. Yeah, or no, was that Killzone? I'm having Killzone actually. Yeah, because Killzone One was on PS2, wasn't it? Yep. Okay. I, never mind. It was Killzone One. Cause I remember like trying to play that because Resistance were all on PS3, weren't they? Let's see. Resistance was on PS3. All three of them. Were okay. On all right. PS3. Then you had a PSP side game. All right. Well, that'd be. I mean, I guess they can. That's something you could do a a live service game with. But I feel like that IP is just not popular enough. Like, at at this point, like you know, like like they're doing like they're doing like the Twisted Metal one. Like, that has a lot more reverence in the video game world. Obviously, pre even before the TV show. Uh, now than we I think Resistance does now. So. Dude, I think that if Sony were to go to back to the well in terms of resistance, doing a remastered thing of the original, or like even a collector saying like with all three remastering those three games, like a full blown remake, maybe interest instead of a, yeah. like a full blown yeah, like a full blown like remake or something to try to gauge interest into trying to do something more with the trilogy or no, just to do something more with that franchise in general. I mean, yeah, they could do that because Insomniac is a lot different now than it was like back then and the quality of resistance could even be better yeah if it's presented instead of a modern setting yeah I, honestly I, i'd much rather have that from like a lot of the like um these like you know playstation studios where it's like yeah like i said like they have like they're working on the main game but they're also working on the live service game i like, almost yeah. rather than like i don't know almost like the naughty dog way is like i'd rather have just obviously you can argue like naughty dog is like remastering and doing remakes of games that like of like last of us part one remake and then last of us part two remastered but like i'd almost rather them like these studios go back into like some of these like yeah they like like do a kill zone remake or resistance remake like or infamous remakes it's like bring those back to like modern day almost i like that almost be better than just doing like you know it, i think it might be more sustainable <laughs> than fucking doing uh you could probably pump you can make them a lot a little bit faster obviously if you're doing a full you gotta like make them from the ground up again but you already have a story and everything in place that yeah cut a lot of time off that way um so yeah you know, for what how many times sony has 
like borrowed a couple of things from Nintendo. One thing I wish they could borrow is the aspect of reviving some of these classic IPs that they do have and just remake them and bring them back to the modern era to try to gauge not just interest, but also to gauge what they could potentially do with that series going forward. Yeah. I mean, the games you mentioned and stuff, those are excellent examples. The original Infamous, Resistance, I mean, you could even like throw in some like oddball ones like here and there, you know, but uh, yeah. still, it'd be a lot better than what currently what they're doing at this point in time, which they presented strong first party games, but they are just playing too safe. <laughs> they are playing too safe, uh, my honest opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, you could almost argue, you know, uh, not too safe, but like, I mean, now you look at like, you know, talking about a dozen life source games and shit and, um, you know, it sounded safe, but, you know, five years ago, but nowadays not. Now so. they're a complete risk. <laughs> yeah, now it's a giant risk. Like, you're better. Yeah, so, and, like, those games would be, like, you know, those games for, like, the PS3, like, they're stuck on PS3s, and um, if you, like, just poured them to, like, modern day, like, those games would just not be good now. Um, no. So, yeah, like, just doing a full-blown remake, honestly, but, like, and, you know, if the first one sells, then go to the next one. I don't know. If it doesn't, I don't know, move on. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'd much rather have that, but... uh we should see. I don't know, but I mean, Insomniac's been doing a fantastic job, like Ratchet and Clank. Uh, you know, I didn't. I I came away liking the the last uh the what was that Rift Apart. Uh, I came away yes. liking it, but I didn't love it. Uh, I know a lot of people like that's like one of their favorite PS5 games still. So, uh, but for me, it was just like I thought it was. But I'm not a huge like platformer guy either. But um, but then again, it it, it definitely was a hard type of follow up and stuff from the. The solid entry they put out for the PS4 back in yeah. 2016. Yeah, the re- the, that was a remake of fucking the original uh, Ratchet Exactly. Clank. We just keep making good points here, Gables, and like finding evidence of them doing it and doing it well. Uh, it's yes. weird. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I want to wait and see, but uh, it's just I feel like I mean I've always I've top, I said the last two years I feel like we're in a weird spot with PlayStation and uh, yeah. Was, I don't know. I, I'm kind of concerned over the, like. The, like what's gonna happen? Because talk about ESA moving like a boat. Like the problem now with with video games now is it takes so long to make them. That like we said, like it's the thing we've been talking about forever now. Like we see all these life service games getting in, like all these life service games this year that have been out now getting closed, and then we we see all these life service games getting announced the last year and a half, and it's like, ugh, like nobody Dude. wants that. And you know, it takes five, four or five years to make a game. By the time these games come out, no one wants to play these games anymore. And that's the thing, though. It can take five years I, to get back on track. That's one of the biggest worries I have, like, personally, because of how long these games are taking and how much money is being put into them. Mm-hmm. My biggest worry is, like, this bubble for the AAA gaming space that's becoming incredibly, like, too incredibly big. I'm not saying it's on a pop or anything else no. like that. But yeah. I'm saying it's, like, it's getting too ambitious in terms of the whole aspect of how much cost is going and how much time is being spent and stuff i mean we want quality games mm-hmm. but at the same time we don't want it to be oversaturated to the extent to where we're not going to be focusing upon the ones that we you know that need to be focused on in order to try to help proceed like the gaming industry forward you know yeah no i, I was thinking about that a lot you know this week too or like um i mean we're just I, I keep saying this over and over again about like just entertainment in general we're in this really weird spot with where um now, like, things are costing so much money to make now, uh, but we're spread. There's so much more content out there nowadays. Uh, it's everything spread to, like, we see, we're talking about movie theaters are struggling because, like, now people go to the theaters for, like, the big stuff, but, like, yes, it's like, you know, horror movies do well because they're so cheap to make that 
you can put them out. People will go to see horror movies, but like you look at even some of the biggest movies come out this year. So like mission, the new mission possible was um, considered, I mean, it made its money back, but it's not with did not as big success as they thought MCU has right. been struggling. We look at like, um, like they've been making, they've been making a profit, but they're not like these billion dollar guaranteed hits. Like they used to be um, no. Indiana Jones was a, was a flop. Uh, even though it made yes. like four hundred, man, I think it made like four or five hundred million dollars. It it didn't make his money back. Uh, like we we they put in a lot of money inside of that. Yeah, they spent like a hundred million dollars de-aging make... Harrison Ford. Um, yes. Like we look at streamers, like where it used to be, like just spend money just to get people subscribed. We just care about getting people on these platforms. You don't care about making money. And then last year, that like turned on its head. It's like now we got to make money. Um, and you see like them jacking it. Prices have been going up incredibly quickly on those the last, um, year and a half. Like Netflix has done multiple pay increases. I think Disney plus has nearly doubled the price, um, year over year. Same like max has gone up like two bucks. Like Paramount's gone up money Apple TV has gone up money and they're all trying to like make more money, but like with, and they cut back on putting out product. And some of those I could argue that's good. Cause like, that was an issue a lot of people were talking about with Netflix for a long time there was like, they're just like shut, like throwing like 15, 20 new things out there every week that like shit gets buried. It's kind of like the thing we always talk about with Steam, like for years, whereas like th- there'd be like a hundred new games on the thing every week and it's like no one can keep track of it. So it's like shit's just getting lost in the shuffle. Yep. And it's kind of almost like the same thing is happening in the entertainment world where, um, you know, where it's like there's so much shit out there nowadays. You're like used to be like on, you know, TV on television, you were just competing with the other channels. And now you know, like, you know, it's like everything's fighting with everybody. Now it's like, uh, you know, you look at you look at kid the cable networks where like people are dropping cable like crazy. Uh, so cable these networks are making less money than ever. But sports is cost like the sports fees, the sports rights for like NFL, NASCAR, NASCAR just got a gigantic increase. F one yep. just got like the ratings are not going up for a lot of these like NBA and that NFL are up, but everything else is like steady or down. But they're still getting gigantic increases. Because these networks, these these sports net, these sports stations, or these sports properties know that this is like the live sports is the one thing that guarantees ratings, and they're they're more valuable than ever, even though there's less money, and they're paying they're getting gigantic uh, rights increases to be on 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 uh, on television, even though there's less money. So, I mean, and you look at video games, like you were saying, Gables, like um, Clueless Protocol sold two million copies. And yep. it was a flop. It lost money. Uh, yes, they, it did. They needed to see. They needed to sell five million copies. Like I think in the first like three months, and it sold two. It sold two, in like the first like six weeks, and it was considered a disappointment. And then they laid off over half their staff, the CEO and the vice president of the company of for, of Close Protocol uh, stepped down. Uh, Immortals of Avium came out, uh, sold horribly. Like the numbers aren't out there, but it's way worse than what they thought the lowest expectations were going to be. And right. they laid off immediately laid off over half their staff. You look at, I mean, you look at the game industry in general, like over 10,000 people have been laid off in the year of 2023. It's supposed to be the best year ever in gaming over 10. Like it's one of the worst years for people that work in the industry. Um, and what is it like? I'm not too sure about the exact number. What was it? 5,600 people in the gaming space lost the job. 10,000, 10,000, 10,000. Yeah. Okay. So, so over, grossly, that's just people that we know that. about. That, that doesn't include like smaller companies that like smaller indie companies, shit like that. That's like just companies that we, you know, bigger ones out there. Um, you know, Embracer is responsible for I think like fifteen hundred of those. Uh, they just laid off. They closed this. They they closed the studio this week and had mass layoffs in two other studios uh, this week. Um, you know, 
ultimately what it sounds like to me though in general just to kind of sum up everything that you've said though it's like things are starting to become so expensive to the point and stuff with all this saturation and all this different type of variety of stuff to where now it feels like because it's gotten so big a lot of the entertainment industry in general is starting to shrink back down gradually and stuff yeah um yeah i i just i feel like we're like a place right now where like nobody knows where we're going no uh, right now like no one's figured like sometimes you can like usually like okay this like you have a couple ideas and like obviously like there's a lot of people out there a lot smarter than me that work in the industry that probably that make these big decisions but it's like i don't know yeah like you talked about gables like taking six seven years and spending 200 million dollars on a project um isn't sustainable unless like yeah no. unless you're like santa monica studios or naughty dog or or rockstar or rockstar yeah like rockstar can spend a decade uh you know like you, they have the money and it can afford to do that yeah take two <laughs> like lost money the last this past year but it's like that's because like we're spending a fuck ton of money on 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 this on gta 6 and we're gonna make that money back like as soon as that game goes up for pre-order they've already made them yeah. they've already made a profit uh, oh shit so but it's yeah it's like we like the problem but we see these studios out there like they have to like take these big red like you can't i don't know it's like it's so hard to like get noticed nowadays that like you have to like have take these big risks and spend 100 plus million dollars on these projects and if it you know if it like you can't afford back then you know you had a couple stinkers out there you can but you can you know the ps2 and earlier you can have a few stinkers out there but you can pump out a, a game in a year you know and like you can just put it on you know, a couple maybe a couple bad stinkers and you're out you're out but like um, you know, nowadays, you know, you have one that's even like, like I said, close protocols, like it was a disappointing game, but like it's still sold to like $2 million, 2 million sold should be a success, but it wasn't Absolutely. because they spent so much money. And it's just like, I don't know. I just, I, you know, I'm rambling here, but it's just like, I'm just, I don't, I just, it, I've, you know, it's just been the, the discussion of the year of like layoffs and everything in, in gaming, but like, man, it's like, I don't know in entertainment in general, like, you know, where the fuck are we going? Because I don't know what the answer is. Like, is streaming the answer? Doesn't really seem like it. Is movie theaters the answer? Doesn't really seem like it. Spending two hundred million dollars on a on a on a next big budget game is that really is that the answer? For the most part, doesn't seem like it. You know, um, being a small indie game doesn't really seem like it either. Because you know, like how many of like for every ten that come out and like have gain an audience, there's a thousand that just come out and nobody no one ever sees. So. True. Um, kind of continue on that conversation. We kind of already had the discussion here, but um, another thing, just like E3 being canceled officially, like Last of Us Online has been canceled. Um, yep. So Naughty Dog came out with a statement, said there's no easy way to say this. We've made the incredible, uh, incredibly difficult decision to stop development on the game. Uh, the vision of the game became more refined and satisfying with the studio uh, being enthusiastic about the direction in which we were headed uh, and ramping up the full production, the scope of our ambition became clear we had two paths in front of us become a solely live service game studio or continue to, fo to focus on single player narrative games that have defined Naughty Dog's heritage so um, we've heard about the struggles we've heard about everything going on the last year or so through like Jeff Grubb and Jason Schreier and then we've, we've heard about them they've laid off people they like cut it down and they laid off people that are working on the project uh, just a couple months ago and now this so I don't know Gables um, where are you at with this one Honestly, not surprised. We didn't really hear too much updates since like the last time that Neil Druckmann was on stage talking about it, and only showing like bits of screenshots, not yeah. actual year and a half ago gameplay. Yeah. yeah, like a year and a half ago. And uh, quite honestly, in terms of the ships, 
love the shifting of like what Sony is viewing like live service games in general. You know, I mean, I kind of felt like they had to go forth and reshuffle some bits of stuff, and unfortunately, that Naughty Dog developed Last of Us Online game was the probably the victim of one of those type of little cost cuts and stuff. Because the thing about it though is like. Naughty Dog is known for the great first, like, their first, like, great, like, single-player games over mm -hmm. the years. But in terms of, like, an MMO style of game, I mean, yeah, that was a risk to begin with. I mean, taking what they have done before, like, say, the multiplayer stuff for The Last of Us, like, remake and stuff, and then, like, try to get everything else all inside of that to try to make it, like, a cohesive world. Mm -hmm. Which, yeah, it could still potentially work in certain aspects if you're able to do it right and with enough, like, money and enough interest, though. But... It just felt like that this thing was not going to be panning out into something that was going to be worthwhile in order to sustain players to the extent of what they wanted to try to go forth and do. Because when you think of Naughty Dog, you think of them trying to put the best quality forward in terms of their visual designs, in mm -hmm. terms of like their accessibility stuff, you know, in terms of like what they're trying to do, the core of like their gameplay stuff. And what it sounds like to me is that type of quality was taking a hell of a lot longer than what it generally would be for like one of their single player games and yeah the time probably would have they probably decided the time was better like suited into actually going to like like another naughty dog developed single player games entirely different or wherever type of path they wanted to go other than say like just an online centric game yeah um and the reports out there was like you know bungie went and saw the game a few months back and from all from everything that were that was out there um is that the game was like good they, they made like a naughty dog game but they were trying to make it like a naughty dog game but life service and like those two things just weren't connecting and like bungie right. went to them and it's like the game was good here but like it doesn't make sense as a life service game and yeah and that sucks because like what bums me out is a huge you know i'm a huge naughty dog is my favorite studio out there because like uncharted games and last of us obviously like two of my favorite franchises and um it just sucks like to me like there's just like there's story content out there that we may just never know <laughs> like that like that's yeah. not outside of like the, the joel and ellie world like there's a whole there's a whole other like section of content and lore that i will we'll just we, we may never know maybe they'll use some of it into like the next and last was part three um and stuff like that but um yeah it just sucks um and you know it sucks when it's just like they like this this thing has been in, in like it was in some sort of production since like 2018 because they they were supposed to come yes. out factions was supposed to come out with losses part two and then they it kind of became bigger and they started to make it its own thing it's just come later and then they it blew up again into a live service game and obviously this happened so um i don't know and like i've seen a lot of people out there like multiple people out there i was like why couldn't this just been like a thing you put out like kind of like Ghost of Shima Le Legends was, where like it just was like this multiplayer thing with a raid mode and <clears throat> had like this whole like online mode that like this it was it was smaller in scope, but like um, why couldn't they just have that? But it's like I don't know, like you know, you look at like people love like factions and love like the Uncharted multiplayer and stuff, um, but it's just like you know, you think, but you look back at like that PS that early PS4 Xbox One era and like that second half of like the Xbox 360 PS3 era where like every game had just a online mode package into it, like Bioshock 2, uh, Dead Space yep. 2, fucking like ev everything or like Dead Space 3 turned to a co-op like, co game, but like everything just had this uh, something tied into it as it, like, cause multiplayer was a big thing. And then also they wanted you to not 
sell your game to GameStop. And like they remember they did like the online pass thing. You had to like put redeem the code to play online or yep. pay ten bucks. Um, and it's just a different world nowadays, and it sucks that like yeah, like this thing can't come out and just be like something cool that we play for like six months and move on. Like that's just not something that's a thing in video games nowadays. And we talk about games being more expensive and take so long anyways. Like why put invest in something that might not be a thing at all, or at best is something yeah people might play for six months, but there's no real way to like actually make money off of this or like true um you could put microtransactions into it but i mean i don't know like how sustainable is it and somebody actually i saw a thing on twitter today somebody went back and looked at the trophies for last of us factions on ps3 and less than two percent of people actually like there's a there's a trophy in the game for like playing an online match less than two percent of people actually got that trophy that played last of us so it's like we talk about people like love factions but out of all those, out of all those people that bought it, one out of fifty actually played a game online. So it's like, yeah. Um, yeah, how much, how worth it is it to actually just do shit like that? Like, I'm curious how many people actually went back and played Ghost of Shima Legends, um, even though I heard yeah, it's phenomenal. I'm curious, uh, but <laughs> I know it's funny. Like, you know, like stuff like those online things being shoot ins. Like, it's so funny they put so much effort in during that that era, the early 2010s and stuff, like to like kill GameStop. And it's so funny that, like, honestly, what killed GameStop was just going digital. Like, big, just yeah. having digital sales and, like, uh, artists killing GameStop and um, of all things. So, I don't know. Uh, it's a bummer. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, t- I was talking to somebody in a, a Discord, uh, one of our Discord channels about it. You know, a buddy loves yeah. Cam. And I was like, man, like, if there's ever a live service game that, like, would get me in a live service, like a Naughty Dog, Last of Us, live service game would probably be the thing. And he's like, and Cam was like, as a Destiny 2 addict, it's honestly, this is honestly the best thing that ever happened to you. And I'm like, yeah, maybe that's a good point. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm bummed, but uh, you know, probably in the long run. It just sucks. I feel like, Gables, when we look like, I feel like this has been a really great generation of gaming. Like, the PS5, yes. Xbox Series con- uh, console era. You know, Switch, obviously, but that's, I put that in its own category because it's in that weird in-between stage of generations. But it's been a really great generation, I feel like. But I feel like when we look back, in like three or four years when we, when we get to the ps6 and whatever the X, X, xbox is we're gonna look back and there's like there's gonna be so many there's just gonna be a wasteland of live service games and you can argue there already is one but it's going to get bigger as like the the ones from that were put in development in 2018 2019 oh, no are shit. coming out in the next year or two but on top of that all the years wasted by these development studios these big huge development studios uh, making live service games that may or may not have ever came out. And it's like, we talk about like, yeah. games taking, instead of like, you look at like, we talk about, not talking about Naughty Dog here. It, and they're in that PS3 era. They put out four games in a deck in, in one generation. Yep. They had three last generation. And it's like, we might get one this generation. It's like, you got exactly. one, maybe two shots per generation uh, from these studios. And it's like, man, if you wasted two, three plus years on a live service game, uh, just making one, and maybe in the, if it put it actually went out and you spent another year wasted on it on top of that, it's like, let I me mean, look at fucking Bioware. Like, that we've like that's the, a good example. Since they put out, I mean, since Dragon Age, they put out fucking um, Mass Effect Andromeda. We had Anthem, and we've had nothing from them since. Yes, it's been, been a decade. Stagnant. Yeah, we've had, I mean, they wasted so much time on Anthem. Uh, so, I don't know. Moving on here, Gables, though. 
Let's get some fun news here. What kind of fun news? There's some, there's some sad stuff with it, but um, we got the November Circana reports here. It used to be called the um, MPDs. Um, this is the top 20 games sold for November. Um, some interesting stuff out of this, though, Gables, is that uh, overall hardware sales were down 24% this time last year, if you if comparing it to November of last year. Uh, a big reason, though, is because uh, in 2022, that was the first year, the first holiday where consoles were actually, like the PS5 and Xbox consoles were actually readily available to people. Jeez, that's right. <laughs> and this is all based off of um, like dollar sales, not unit sales. You got to remember that. And this year, we're seeing, like, I think we're seeing, like, um, you can get it basically you get the PS5 uh with like Spider-Man 2 packed in for free at this like you can kind of find that for 500 bucks uh, instead of paying the extra uh like 60 bucks for it or whatever it costs um uh you've been the Xbox Series S has been like on sale between 150 and 230 bucks I've been seeing uh and then on top of that like the Xbox Series X has been is $400 everywhere and some places for 350 so that's yep, a big part of it is yeah, so that's a big part of it too. Is it's it's a lot cheaper this year. It's actually on sale for the first time, and also um, we don't have numbers, but the Switch unit sales have fallen drastically year over yes. year. So, um, you know, uh, but some interesting news at Gables though is that um, in the U.S. this is just U.S. sales. Uh, the, the Switch is officially the third best selling um, console of all time in the U.S. behind the uh, DS and the PS2. So that's insane. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I, didn't, I couldn't find actual like numbers for like what that means in the U.S. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. It passed the 360. So it passed. So it's 360 is now fourth. So um, but wow. we don't have numbers for I couldn't find numbers for like what those numbers are for the U.S. I'm curious, I'd love to see those. Uh, but, you know, we don't have them. Um, and uh, Matt Piscatella that puts all this together. Uh, he had a primary driver of the year-on-year year year decline in console and portable content was a comparable strength of the new released uh, slate. So you look at last year, uh, we had God of War, Ragnarok, and Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Um, you look at this November, it was Call of Duty, uh, and that's it. Yep. Really, this like we had some like Super Mario RPG stuff like that, but like nothing on the scale of like God of War and Pokemon, uh, other than Call of Duty. Um, and then also, Alan Wake 2 is not on last month's or this month's because Epic doesn't give out digital sales. And it's a digital-only game, but it's been es- estimated it sold by 850,000 copies, which um, kind of disappointing to hear that. I hope that. Hopefully, it gets a uh, Game Award bump. But uh, give us, let's get into um, the top 20 list here. Um, we got one, two, three, four brand new games for the month of November that came out. Okay. Uh, I want you to try to guess what those four are. For the month of November, yes. Hmm. Well, I could probably think Super Mario RPG, maybe one of those. Yep, number seven. Okay. Another, another one I already said. Oh yeah, the Modern Warfare. Yep, that's number one, obviously. Uh, um, let me see. Another one um, is a Switch exclusive. That is not made. That is not made by Nintendo. A Switch exclusive that's not made by Nintendo. It's a oh, game. Shit. It's a JRPG. Oh, that's right. Is it? Well, it's not Star Ocean. It is Star Ocean. The second. It's Star Ocean. Yep. Huh? At number seventeen. And another one is a brand new game based off an anime. Brand new game based upon an anime. <laughs> and uh, I, is it a Naruto game? It's a Naruto Bruto. Yes. Uh, okay. God. This is one of the first times I think we've ever, in some of the show's history, where I'm able to actually guess. Yeah. All Good job. Of the fucking. Yeah. Games. So that was number twelve here. So kind of an interesting <laughs> month here, though, because like I always kind of find the holidays fascinating because a we usually get a lot more we get a lot newer games, uh, but also like 
kind of fun to see what jumps back into this. So remember, this yeah. is not unit sales. This is dollar amount. So yes, I will go through this. Jumping from number 73 uh, to number 20 this month, Just Dance 2024. Uh, huh. Number 19, Holding Strong, Minecraft. Oh, Gables, yeah. do you want to remind everybody, Mario Kart 8 fell out of the top 20 for the first time ever wow. last month. So this yeah. is two months in a row, Mario Kart 8 not on the list. That's insane. Yeah, yeah. Um, number 18 here, Marvel Spider-Man, Miles Morales. So probably had a boost because of uh, uh, Spider-Man 2 coming out. Yes. Number, number 17, like I said, Star Ocean. Number 16, uh, NHL 24. Another game jumping back up in here. Uh, I guess had a pretty big sale. From number 36 to number 15, God of War Ragnarok. Number 14, Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Number 13, Sonic Superstars. Number 12, Naruto, Cross Naruto, The Ultimate Ninja Storm Connections. Number 11, dropping down from number 3, Assassin's Creed Mirage. Number 10, um, UFC, UFC 5. Number 9, NBA 2K24. Number 8, Mortal Kombat 1. Number 7, Super Mario RPG. Number 6, uh, EA Sports FC 24. Number 5, Super Mario Brothers Wonder. Uh, and that does not include digital sales, by the way. Um, number four, Madden NFL 24. Number three, Hogwarts Legacy. And I was kind of surprised by that. I'm like, why did he get a bump? Like, must have had a sale. Switch, the Switch copy came out uh, last month. Yes. So, and I heard apparently it's like, it's not great, but it's not bad either. So uh, it, does, it, it runs okay. So uh, that's good. Based off of some of the Switch ports you've had uh, the last year or so. That's a, that's a good sign. Uh, number two, uh, dropping down from number one, uh, Marvel Spider-Man 2. Number one, Call of Duty Modern Warfare three so yeah uh call of duty already the number two best-selling game of the year no surprise there yep. um so but yeah Gables, what's your overall kind of looking at this list here which what you thinking i'm actually surprised there's a bunch there's actually a couple of jrpgs that are on the list especially this time of the year that's not like a major like uh you know like major like say final fantasy or like whatever and stuff but uh yeah i'm fairly surprised that star ocean you know the second story that that initial remaster and stuff like that is inside of the top 20. Yeah. I mean, granted, it it's not like, say, an exclusive here for the Switch. It's actually on PS4 and PS5 oh, is it? as well. I didn't see yes. that. Okay, my bad. All right. Yes, it's actually... I've played the demo, I think, for the PS5 version on the... All right. I'm slowly mistaken. Ago. Okay. But uh, other than that, though, it's surprising not even seeing Mario Kart 8 anywhere upon this list as well. But uh, I'll tell you what's not surprising is seeing, like, an uh, influx of, like, the bumps and, say, like, the sales of, say, Assassin's Creed Mirage or for the NHL game or for Sonic Superstars. For the month of November, these games have been heavily, like, discounted in terms of Black Friday sales, mm -hmm. especially leading up to, to Black Friday and also the weeks corresponding leading up until the Christmas holidays because some of those games are still on sales at some retailers i mean yeah for those listening in or watching in i mean you have to check your local retailer to see if there's any sales of that sort i know for instance for where my neck of the woods is you'll still find assassin's Creed mirage for like 40 dollars 50 dollars yeah. for like mortal Kombat one and stuff so song of superstars is like the like the anomaly where it just increased right back up to 60 dollars so yeah like, it'll be five dollars you know. in a week when people realize it's bad so well, either that or like uh, probably in a discount bin or somewhere. It's like, oh, hey, pennies in the dollar. Yeah, like hey, we'll give you five bucks. Please take it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I always enjoy these. Like, I always find some enjoyment out of these lists, even the months where like there's just like nothing happening. Just kind of see like what sells, anyways. Uh, but yeah, like I mean, it's like this is like maybe like the lightest November we've had. Yes. Um, as long as like I mean, in a I'd like to I'd like to go back and like look at some of these reports from like you know, the last decade, like to see. 
Maybe lighter like, than 2013? I'm not sure. I'm trying to think about, like... I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know. I can't remember what came out in the fall of 2013. Well, that was new consoles, oh, though. 2014. 2014 was... 2014, we had Far Cry and Dragon Age. Because I remember those came out, like, within, like... I think, like, the same week. It was, like, Far Cry 4 and Dragon Age Inquisition. Um, yeah, we would definitely need to do a check upon that, yeah. though. Because this is this November... This past November, I cannot remember... A time to where we only had maybe one or two games and there really wasn't anything like yeah. too big other than like say just call of duty yeah. even though you still had like say some like the lower echelon games of like these two remasters that came out at the same time for the nintendo systems the Mario rpg and like star ocean and stuff i mean it really wasn't like a lot of big major releases in november other than call of duty and also with spider-man yeah yeah it's so weird because like October became very crunch because everybody was trying to get out of Call of Duty's way. Um, yeah, it's always funny when you see that happen. It's like, I mean, like, are you almost like better off just like coming out? Like, you know, if you're like an Alan Wake two or something, like, are you just better off like coming out like mid November maybe? Because like you're so different than like Call of Duty. It's like it's not like this is like you're an uh, FPS military shooter coming out. You know, at the same time, this is not. You know, I don't know. I always find that weird. Like, I get like you because know, you're like we're not the average gamer. We're going to like, we're going to buy a lot of the games, you yeah. know, instead of like, you know, maybe like some people are like, they only have, the, you know, they're only going to buy one or they just are like the holidays. Maybe they're only going to buy one or two and they see call of duty there. So I don't know. Uh, they want to be out for call of duty when maybe like, you know, mom and dad or average gamer. Joe goes to the store to buy call of duty. If they actually go to the store and then they see fucking, Oh, you know, uh, I guess Alan Wake weren't working in this case because it's digital only, but like they see the other game that came out a couple weeks ago there too, and they pick it up with it. I guess like, maybe that's the argument. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I was just finding that find that interesting, but uh, oh yeah, the, uh, man, I, yeah, I might I might do that here. I'm gonna go back and look at previous Novembers because uh, I don't know. It's it's that's it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty light one, but uh, yeah, I think that's gonna actually do it for news this week, guys. Let's get into. Um, let's get into what we've been playing, Gables. You want to go first? Or do you want me to go first, buddy? You go first, Tyler. Okay. Um, so I've been playing a few games, uh, two of which are uh, DLC. Yeah, I want to be in Fortnite. Uh, I'm going through Fortnite. I'm really having a blast with the. Uh, I, I've dabbled a little bit in the Fortnite um, festival, which is like the harmonics, like uh, they're like you know Guitar Hero thing. It's fine. Uh, you know, it sucks. Like they, every day, they have different free songs you can play, or you can just buy the songs so you can play them whenever you want. Um, I don't know. It's like it kind of just feels like a, um, like almost like early access Guitar Hero game. Like it, it works fine. It's perfectly fine. Just not a lot of song choices, and a lot of the songs in there are like pop songs, so they're not like not a lot of songs with guitars guitar in it or. Uh, drums and shit like that so it's like it's, it's weird uh and you're like you know you're like if you want to play vocals it's like you're not actually singing you're just using a controller um i haven't dabbled in like the lego stuff is not for me uh, I, I want to check out the, the racing thing i heard it's actually really really good uh but i've been i've jumped back into the uh into the actual like battle royale part of it I, i'm just trying to get to level 70 as we have to get to to get peter griffin uh and then get all of, like his like side stuff and then uh, Solid Snake is supposed to be supposed to be there, I believe, at the end of January. Uh, I don't know what, what you have to do to get him, but uh, basically, just trying to grind to get to him. I'm at level 14. Um, I'm not, not. I haven't won a game yet. Like I've won previous times. I've gone back and played it. 
I usually jump back in for like really hard for like a season every year or so. And uh, I haven't won a game, but I, I am pretty regularly getting into like the top 10, top 20, you know, and stuff like that. So uh, I'm doing pretty good there, but yeah, I've yet to win a game, but I'm just, uh, it's kind of, it's kind of like my thing I've been doing. Like I might play a game or two at night to try to get the dailies and do like the weekly stuff and just try to get my, uh, my level up there. But uh, the other two things I've been playing, um, I did buy the Final Fantasy 16. Uh, I talked about it a little bit last week. I, I played the first hour of it. Um, yeah. I did buy the Final Fantasy 16 uh, DLC, Echoes of, of the Fallen. You can buy it. It's 10 bucks for this, uh, but the second DLC is 20 uh, will be 20 when it comes out in the spring. Uh, but you, Or you can just buy the whole thing, like the season, like the, I don't know, season pass, whatever you want to call it, the pack uh, for 25 say 5 bucks. So I did that. Um, play this. It is... Uh, it's awesome. I, I really, really love it. Like I love Final Fantasy 16 is one of my favorite games of the year. Uh, we'll get we'll get to that in a couple weeks when we do game of the year. Uh, spoiler: It will be in my top ten list. Uh, but um, yeah, like I, it's just it's it's like a really it's, so it takes place during the game. Like it's a late game content thing. Uh, but what's cool is like um, so you like kind I kind I was kind of hoping that the DLC would be like post game, but it's whatever. But anyways, um, it's like it's 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 like a really well done like side quest where like some of my biggest complaints with the games at the time was like some of the side quests and that and final, i did all the side quests i did every single one of them uh yes. i did every i did all, i beat the game i did every single side quest you can do um but like some of my complaints was like that like some of the side quests you did were like were just awful <laughs> like and they're like pointless and it was like some of like the worst side content out there and uh like as far as like what you're doing, it's like, like the, the, the like the joke of like Witcher three where like you have to go get the guy's uh, pan, you know, or he lost his, <laughs> you know, or like it's like some of it's like it takes like it takes you longer to like because you gotta go physically go talk to these people, so it would take you longer to like go fast travel to the spot, go walk to this person, talk to this person, than to actually go do the side quest you need to do, and then go go back and talk to the person. Um, but then some side quests were like this huge giant two two hour plus thing. And it was like the, on the scale of almost on the scale of like the main missions. And it was like, Holy shit. But you never knew what it was going to be. You never like, everything was like, um, it, it, like I, you know, I always have like, I love for like horizon zero dawn and stuff like where they have like, there's the side quest and like the side, they have the side quests. They're like, usually they're not on the scale of the main, main game, but like they're actually pretty meaty. And like some of them can have big changes, a uh, big effects on the main story. But then they always had the other one that was, I can't remember what it was like, um, it was called Aaron's. And that was like the low tier, like bullshit um, side quest that like, like they're, they're easy, like they're fast. And it's like, it's just small stuff, but like, Hey, like you, if you just want to grind levels or like get some stuff, you know, get gear or whatever, Hey, there's a here for you. And like, so, but you at least knew what you're getting into. Uh, and, but anyways, back to the actual, because of the volume here, it is like on the par of like actual it is basically like an extension of like the main storyline. So like, Kind of like minor spoilers. I'm not gonna spoil the whole game, but minor spoilers for, um, like the game itself. So like the idea of the game is like Clive, Jill, and, and um, other characters in your party. I'm not gonna spoil anything else, uh, but they are like trying to take destroy all the mother crystals in the game. Like and this is like, you know, every there's like I think seven different kingdoms, and you know every kingdom actually has a king and a queen, all that shit. But like they like they're every one has an icon. And the icon, like you turn into like one of the icons of Final Fantasy, you know, you have, like Leviathan and stuff like that. And um, 
like, it, but it passes through the bloodline and usually the royalty, um, you know, like, so that kind of passes through them. And in this case, there's like throughout the main game, uh, they talk about in side quests and in the main game, like you, you, you see all, like everybody knows all of the, who the icons are. You see all the icons in the main game, but there's the, there's the lost icon Leviathan. And they kind of mentioned a couple of times and like, I think pretty much everybody knew, uh, or felt confident there's gonna be DLC and that this would be the case. And this is what it leads to. So at every, like, so there's like each kingdom has a mother crystal and that's where like you get the magic powers from stuff like that. Uh, and then, um, there's just this, the Leviathan one's just missing. So this one, you find the, you find the mother crystal. Um, and like, but man, like it's actually like a whole, like two and a half, three hour long, like, like on par with like budget and everything like big, huge, like, has has actual orchestra uh, orchestra orchestral or, orchestra music i can't say the word orchestral thank you i can't say that word uh, that kind of music and it like they have like big huge boss fights like this shit is like on level with the main game it is awesome i loved it like i haven't seen leviathan yet i'm that's obviously gonna be the second one i'm assuming you're gonna fight him at the end of the second dlc but i mean like the boss fights in this thing were awesome like the some like the, I, I really enjoyed some of the story content in this one as well. I really like the story. I really like the characters of the original game. But like, it just is like because sometimes you, you buy some of the DLCs and it just feels like just shit they just took out of the main game and like it's a side small thing they took out of the main game and they just threw it on later and charged you for it. And this actually feels like a huge like whole chunk of like, but it feels like this was like actual real story content that they made into like a whole another thing. And there's gonna be a bigger one that comes out later and i can't wait i can't wait to play it it's fucking awesome uh if you are a final Fantasy 16 fan highly recommend you get you, you check it out if you've already beat the game or you're looking at playing the game and if like uh you have to get it pretty late into the game before you can actually unlock it but uh yeah i recommend highly go back and play that game uh play this dlc the other dlc i played this is a little nice one here this was you know announced last week at the game awards or was it two weeks ago whatever it was uh we have God of War Ragnarok of Valhalla. This is that roguelike mode um, that came out. And like I, I talked about last week um, when we were talking about the Game Awards and stuff. That like I was like, oh, I got really excited when they showed you know Kratos, obviously. And then I'm like, oh, fuck, it's roguelike. Because I'm not a huge roguelike person at all. Um, like It just don't vibe with me. I hate like repeating content and stuff like that and uh, everything. And kind um, of find out cables. Like, everybody, this came out. And it was just like, no, there's actually like a whole like story to this. And like it's post-game content. And like there's like real shit that happens in this and i'm like well fuck i gotta check this out so i ended up playing this and i beat it i beat it gables uh and i am blown <laughs> away but I, I couldn't i couldn't stop playing i started playing it this morning and i was just like i played it for like four you hours finished it this morning <laughs> no i started it this morning i beat it tonight uh but oh. it's like a five six hours of content uh, but i played wow. it throughout the day but like the first i beat i played most of it in like a, like a four hour chunk like i started playing it this morning and like next thing i know it was fucking like almost one o'clock i'm like holy shit uh but <laughs> like it just i couldn't like it's fucking like i mean obviously i think the gameplay of god of war uh is awesome um it took a little bit like it, part of it too was like because i obviously haven't played the game since i beat it last over a year ago um so it took like the first few runs was like getting back to like how the buttons worked and it took like an hour to like kind of get back until like it came natural to, to me to play but like man there's like I don't want to spoil. The, I'm not gonna spoil the story for people out there, but uh, it is. It, it takes place after the game. You can play it without beating it, but they recommend it. You know, you you play the game before you know before you actually play this. But yeah, blown away. But like, like the 
just like I mean, like I was talking about Aquas Fall. This feels like I can't believe Gables is free. Like they charge wow. twenty five dollars for that deal for that Final Fantasy sixteen DLC. I would have paid twenty five dollars wow, for this. Dude. This was fucking free. free. And like fucking DLC for God of War Ragnarok. Yeah. And it's a six hour chunk of a and damn epic wow. Yeah, and like so there is like difficulty levels. I played it on there's five difficulty levels in, in God of War. I played on the middle one. Yeah. Uh, the higher difficulty level you play it on, you get like better you better rewards. So like it's yes. like every roguelike, so like you have like there's different like types of like currency basically, like for lack of a better term. Or like there's there's ones that like once like you end a run, it goes it's only only works in that run. Then you have currency you can use to like upgrade your like your strength, your health, your your luck, um, vitality, stuff like that. And then like you could, there's other there's a different currency you can use that like you can increase increase like uh, I can't remember what it's called like the currency that's that's only in the run. Um, I think they're called echoes or something like that. You can increase it like so you you go in with like two hundred already, and then you can use that to like uh, buy a, you can upgrade abilities um throughout that run or you can uh, you can buy other like you can buy health like uh you can only buy health or like you can increase your rage bar once during a run uh stuff like that uh so like obviously every time you're going through you can you're always like at least progressing when you if you don't actually win or or you know you finish it uh but man it is like on the part like everybody's saying it's like hades and it definitely yeah no i get it it's like hey like i hades is like the one roguelike <laughs> i've actually got into really uh there's the other roguelikes i got into but like i changed it so like like uh sifu i just i basically just turned off the roguelike mode and just played the actual like, that game was awesome but i didn't want to do a, like, a roguelike i just beat it in one run and it was awesome like that for me uh but i didn't want to spend 20 hours on this on that one but uh yeah, so anyways, like Hades is like the one real roguelike I actually got into as a roguelike, but um and this one, like it is on is like that and like but man, I am blown away by production levels. The fucking but like also on top of that, like you're not just like doing like every room is the same. Like every like you go in like the first few times you go into it, yeah, it's the same. But then they start they change it every time. It's completely random what you're doing. And then obviously you have like the chest you find and you get different uh special abilities or you can add different like glyphs to like you know, you get like you know, sometimes you get like if you um, defeating an enemy with with rage with like when you're in rage mode, uh, you increase you get health back or you like or if you defeat them with like this ability, you get it increases your luck and like increasing your luck can like give you put you into a you go like you open the door you're going through doors basically go to the next room and then like you maybe you go into a special room where it has an extra chest in there and you get more abilities and stuff like that and then obviously you can as you progress it changes there's like um, you have to go through it multiple times because like you'll you'll get to a level, and something happens, takes you back to the beginning. You go back and you're, like you're slowly progressing through. It. Like you can make this run multiple multiple times, but I blew it away. Like I I I lost several runs, um, but like yeah, I could not stop playing it. Like always, obviously the combat of God of War being fantastic helps, but I was just I cannot believe how fucking cool this whole thing was. Like my I. The fact, like I said, I would pay twenty five bucks for this. I would have been more than happy with what I got here. And the fact this was free, uh, was fucking awesome. And like, I loved where the story went with this. Uh, man, like, you know, like once again, if you love God of War Ragnarok, even if actually you just really like roguelikes and you don't give roguelikes, roguelikes, and you don't give a shit about God of War, you can find God of War for twenty thirty bucks. Pick it up, just play this roguelike mode, and you'll have a fucking blast. It's worth it. It's fucking awesome. That's but that yeah, that's what I've been playing. Nice. Can I just have God of War Ragnarok as my game of the year two years in a row? <laughs> that might do it. It might happen. 
All right. So going to my neck of the woods, I did something that uh, I said I was going to do because it was getting closer to the release of it. So I purchased the DLC for Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, the Teal Ooh. Mask, and also the Indigo Disc. Before the launch of Indigo Disc, I played through the complete thing of the Teal Mask. It wasn't too long. I wanted to say it was like about, I want to say four or five hours it took me to go forth, go through it because I wanted to not so much catch so much of the Pokemon, but I just wanted to go forth and get the good initial feel of the Teal Mask and stuff of what it had to provide itself. Honestly, going into it, I kind of felt that... Uh, the teal mask and stuff was going to be that thing that's going to be sort of like an introductory thing, like a, like a prelude to what was going to be in the Indigo Disc. And yeah, my com my confirmations were correct because going through the all of that other rigmarole stuff, the story stuff for the teal mask, it did feel like that type of DLC to where yeah, there was plenty of story elements to it. They led up to the whole, like, basically, like, le the legendary Pokemon that you face towards the end of that, uh, the whole expansion stuff. But, uh, there were some interesting parts of it. I kind of felt like that the quality of the DLC itself as a whole isn't as strong as, say, with... A uh, good comparison, I would think, would be with the last Pokemon game with that last DLC that did have, like, say, the Crown Tundra. Mm. I feel like that this game was kind of like that initial expansion, the Teal Mass, is a little bit under that in terms of the whole thing that it would provide you and stuff like that and stuff. But it was still, it was still fine, right? What I did like about like the Teal Mask is that the last few battles, the last couple of different types of battles and stuff, because it definitely increased a bit of the difficulty and the whole the whole like story twist and stuff but the story itself in general i should say is kind of like to the book you know kind of playing a little bit safe and stuff you are introduced to these two characters called Chiron and carmine a brother and sister tandem right this overbearing sister and stuff that's kind of honestly it's kind of a little bit too mean it's like really kind of like a bitch or something like that to wow. her, her little brother i mean i'm I did not like her initially when I was first introduced to her because she seemed like the type of, like, angry, manipulative manipulative woman or something like that that would, like, uh, really kind of, like, undermine and, like, kind of just harass, like, the younger sibling or something like that because she just wants to be spiteful. Mm. But uh, it kind of caught me by surprise. It's kind of like when you call bit. me, you make fun of me and say I'm in my mid-30s. <laughs> Okay, when I do that's playful. <laughs> when I do that as a playful rib, what she goes through and like undermines like her brother and stuff like that, it's like a like it's still like a blow below the belt. But I would uh, argue that it was also blow below the belt. <laughs> but yet uh, these two are like kind of like kind of like different things to each other. Is but the beginning of the story and stuff, it's like you have the sister that's fairly mean, and then you have the little brother that's kind of like, kind of lacking of self-confidence and stuff like that, is really obsessed like with, uh, with, uh, the Teal Mask and stuff, and the story of Ogre Pond and stuff like that, and the, all the other legendaries and stuff, like, uh, Okie Dogie, Monkey Dory, and Fezzedibity and stuff, that whole story surrounding all that stuff, then, yeah, I'm gonna go into spoiler stuff for the story and stuff, because it really is kind of to the number, if you actually watched a lot of the trailers you could see, like, the kind of twist coming from a mile away. Mm. So, I'm going to count to five. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah. 
quintessentially it's like the reverse to where the three legendary pokemon where you thought were going to be like like the good like the good like a pokemon or something that's like defending against the ogre pond it's the complete reverse because the whole initial story for ogre pond is long time ago it lived with a trainer right it lived with like somebody and stuff and they and the guy like uh used to go to like the different villages and stuff you know with ogre pond and stuff and like just basically like couldn't really fit in with a lot of the residents and stuff they're kind of fearful for him like fearful of him because of his tall stature and stuff and they were vastly different than what the like what the regulars and stuff were akin to seeing in terms of, like a person or something and but he did befriend a mask maker and this mask maker like like uh, created these different masks and stuff not just for him but also for his pokemon ogre pond years later and stuff i mean like one day and one day you have the three pokemon the other three like the loyal three and stuff go and initially attack this dude right i mean he's nowhere to be found and stuff but they also go through and like attack ogre pond they t they steal like three of the initial masks and stuff so the whole duration of this dlc is for you to fetch back the masks that were stolen after the legendary like the loyal three are reawakened years later through like a trial and error trial and error thing after you beat Chiron and stuff in terms of one of the pokemon battles you have against him and uh, quintessentially it's like you having to defend ogre pond or something like that and try to get his masks back and stuff to you know kind of like uh Kind of like like getting back the things that were rightfully his to begin with, because it was part of the the person that he was with and stuff that received these masks. But uh, what I will say is this DLC also has like kind of like the uh, one of the few times I kind of felt somewhat guilty of beating like <laughs> like a rival in terms of this expansion because Chiron you face off multiple different times. He has, like, a lot of, like, self-confidence issues and stuff. He gets undermined by his sister and stuff, so... I got the feeling. He's the thing where his teams aren't bad and stuff, but because I've been using my party of Pokemon up until that point, from even the main game onwards to this expansion, of course I'm going to go forth and wipe the floor with him a couple dozen times, because that's just the... <laughs> that's just kind of, like, how it is and stuff, but progressively keeps getting, like, more and more sort of paranoid and stuff. And especially with like certain story, like like story twists happen later to where he's like angry with like say you and also with a sister and stuff because he wants he wants to capture Ogre Pony wants to see that and stuff. But the final battle with Chiron and stuff, as well as the final battle eventually against like Ogre Pond and stuff, best parts of the DLC. With Chiron, he had a tough enough team to where I had to initially go and actually change in different Pokemon because he was able to knock out a couple of different Pokemon on my team. For Ogre Pond, it was an interesting gimmick. You don't fight him and faint him, like, one time. No. Because he terrestrializes and stuff, he uses not one, but four different masks while he's terrestrializing. So, for example, he starts off with, like, say, a, a mask that's more reminiscent of, like, a fire element, right? So he'll terrestrialize. You have to whittle down his HP completely to zero... And then it'll go to another little blurb or some. Oh, he remembers like the dude that he was with long ago. When he puts on another mask and terastalizes and recovers full things, 
So four separate times, and I have to adjust the fly, because each time he does that, it's a different element. So let's say you're facing off against a fire element, or water, or rock. The last one's grass. But they, those masks have him take on the initial like uh, element type. And so having to adjust it with that on the fly, and then having that presented... You know, and then finally eventually capturing Ogre Pond and all, getting all these other different masks and stuff from catching him. That was fantastic. I felt that final couple of battles was fantastic to otherwise, like, lukewarm expansion. All in all, I would have gave that, like, a 6 out of 10, really, because it was okay. But there were definitely some things that made up for, that made up for the lack of, like, story stuff, because I didn't... Really like Chiron or like Carmine in terms of that stuff. And even when it get, got towards the end and stuff, I was like, okay, I'm kind of tired of seeing you guys and stuff. I mean, I, okay, I don't care if we're going to meet again or this or that. But uh, after finishing that, it only was like a couple days before the Indigo Disc dropped. It dropped like around 6 o'clock my time on Wednesday. Because uh, it released simultaneously throughout Japan and everywhere else around the world at the same time. Hmm. So I got a chance to play like around 6 o'clock in the evening. So this expansion is vastly different. It feels a lot more correlated, like a lot more coordin like yeah, a lot more coordination went into effect. The whole terrarium aspect of it, where it's literally sectioned off to four different like uh, sectors based upon what type of elements or what type of natural sort of four seasons like kind of structure is really cool in terms of like the variety of pokemon fantastic i mean you're getting all the different types of pokemon that weren't present inside of the main portion of the game as well as maybe some like twists and some like variations of pokemon that uh, were inside the main game, or you're seeing their Alolan versions, or their Galarian versions, or like the Cantonian versions of that. But uh, there are a couple interesting gimmicks that are introduced to it. You'll have something that's called like a blueberry sort of like uh, quest, which they cheekingly like nicknamed it the BBQ quests. <laughs> you complete these, right? It just does like a lot of minimal tasks and stuff to acquire like uh blueberry points those type of bp type of stuff to where if you collect enough of them you can unlock certain like uh privileges right so for example if you go onto the school computer and stuff and like uh you can get like a whole bunch of different kind of things it can expand certain like areas of the region to allow you to capture say, specific types of Pokemon, like, say, like, Charmander, or Squirtle, or, like, the starters, you know, in general. Like, the Gen 1 through 8 starters. That's how you can acquire them through the game by doing that type of stuff. So, on top of that, you have the story to where you are trying to, like, uh, beat the Elite Four of the Blueberry League, as well as the Champion. You find out soon after, like, everything's all introduced and everything started that Chiron has thrown a complete 180 because at the end of the Teal Mask DLC, he, there's a cutscene to where he is literally obsessing upon getting stronger because of his lack of confidence and this and that and stuff and him constantly losing to me when I beat him so badly inside of this Teal Mask, he's now thrown a complete opposite to where he's just a, like a thriving jerk. He's 
mean to his sister, obviously, like scares his sister, is a total dick to everyone else around him inside the Blueberry Academy stuff, and he's obsessed upon battling people who are stronger. So his personality does a complete 180. So the entirety of this is you have to... You can go through and beat the Elite Four in terms of the Blueberry stuff, which I've beaten like three out of the four. The reason why I've beaten three out of the four is because the last one, and this is something that I think this is incredibly crazy and also incredibly genius upon Pokemon's part, they force you to reestablish a new team by using only the Pokemon you capture within that Terrarium, in that expansion. So, when it comes to it, it definitely is going to be increasing the amount of time you're going to spend on it, but you have so many good Pokemon that's available to your, like, to you, and they're not like, say, you have to raise them from level 1 either. The lowest is like maybe level 50, the highest I've seen is like in the 70s, the mid-70s, so it's within the same levels as what you're competing against the elite four members right it's not going to be that difficult to reestablish a new team if you have to go and capture like capture these new type of pokemon to use on top of that there's another new gimmick that's introduced inside here that wasn't really prevalent inside the main game and that's double battling in the main game you're doing like single battles and there's like maybe one or two instances where you actually had two double battles the entire game in this expansion, it's more akin to how, say, competitive Pokemon, te like, the video game stuff goes for, like, the tournament stuff, to where you are doing two-on-two -two battles, meaning the strategies and everything else gets a lot more complex, because you have to try to work in, like, say, done, like, team moves, you have to go forth and put more planning into things, and I've actually had a lot of fun going and reconstructing a team from scratch. Like, I have I have a set of six right now that I'm still experimenting with. I have... Half of my team is consistent of Pokemon from Generation 5, like Black and White. Because, honestly, there's a lot of Pokemon that are from that generation that are inside this expansion. Which kind of leads me to believe further down the line there is going to be something in terms of like Pokemon Black and White. Some form of a game down the line. That's kind of like what's been rumored. But I've constructed a team. I'm still doing a little bit of like testing here and there. But uh, my initial plan with this expansion now is to beat the Elite Four, try to see if I can wrap up the DLC within the next week. Because I still haven't gotten to the whole, like, the uh, mysteries of the Area Zero. You know, mm. the whole touting things of the crater and stuff. Because that's the last thing that I, that I wanted to try to get into after I finished the expansions. So I did that, but I also played the Tekken 8 demo. I did play the Tekken 8 demo. I used every single character that was available to it. And what's kind of curious about it, after you've completed like three matches like in a row against your opponent, because they consist of like, a match consists of uh, the best of three, quintessentially. So you have to, you have to win three matches in a row. You have to win, like, no, three rounds in a row in order to get a match win. So, what ends up what ends up becoming funny is after you've, after you've like, done, like, the third match, it'll say, oh, you want to purchase this? So you want to go through that? And I'm, you know, I'm just going to just click that off and stuff because I wanted to try to see 
what else I can go for than to play with this. But uh, there's four characters that are presentable, that are presented in this. You have Paul, you have Jin Kazama, you have like like uh, Kazuya, and then you have uh, Nina. These four characters are one of like the they're four of like characters that have been around for a long time in the Tekken series. All of them feel different. All of them feel different. It took me a bit of time to adjust to the control style of this one as compared to Tekken 7. Because there are aspects to where it just feels incredibly more fluid, a lot more aggressive, and a lot less like sort of like methodical sort of pace like you would in past Tekken games. Like say in Tekken 7, there are specific combos you can go forth and play in certain combinations because there's all these different aspects, all these different types of like uh, combos you can go and and like experiment with like saying the practice modes or this or that but because i'm playing these four characters from scratch and stuff the move lists for these characters are available but they're not really as in depth because they don't give you too much of what these characters can completely do but i gotta say man <coughs> after playing after playing all four characters i freaking really wanted to go forth and play more the heat the heat element inside this, the whole heat mode and stuff, to where once you go and, like, you press the X button or the R1 button and stuff, and you go into, like, the heat mode and stuff, and then just do a couple different combos and just do, like, a final sort of, like, finisher and stuff, it feels great. It feels awesome. It feels like you are barely even spending any time contemplating, like, what you're going to do in the match. Because the style is more focused towards aggressive play styling... I feel like I'm actually getting a leg up upon the AI, or I'm getting a leg up upon my opponent, because I'll do the occasional combo and stuff, but then I'll try to, try to, like, uh, sideswip, sideswip them or something, or try to juggle them in the air and stuff. I've tried doing various stuff that I have before in past Tekken games, like, say, try to do a good juggle and stuff while implementing some of the new gimmicks. I've done maybe a couple, say, with, like, maybe Paul, and I think a couple with Nina and stuff. But uh, out of the characters I did initially play, I really felt like I loved playing as Jin the most because he's definitely easy to kind of pick up in sort of that aspect. And plus, from the past story trailer, I think he's going to be like the central point of the whole Tekken 8. So, of course, him playing as like new player friendly as possible definitely is a positive for new like new players coming in and stuff. But I, I got to admit, they got a good base. They got a good base foundation upon what this fighting game could be. And I feel like this is going to be a freaking good game when it does come out late January. So we got like less than... We pretty much got like over a month now. Yeah. And we got all these different trailers. And we haven't even seen what is going to be coming out in terms of like, uh, say, future DLC. Because it could be even crazier than that in terms of their list. But uh, other than the Pokemon stuff, other than the Tekken 8 stuff, I mean... It's just the usual stuff for me. I mean, in between, in between like uh, work days and stuff. If I hadn't felt like I wanted to play something deep, I just pop on some Vampire Survivors. I played through the DLC of that. The DLC of that's pretty damn good. I will say that. Love to play the new characters. But other than that, yeah, that's my gaming stuff. All right. Well, very cool. Well, um, I think it's gonna wrap it up for us uh, this week. This is our last like normal show of the week. Uh, Gables and I will be doing a second show. Yep. Right after this, but that will be coming out a week from now. Uh, Gables and I are going to do a fun little year review and go through our um, our Nintendo, Xbox, and PlayStation 
uh, year in wrap ups and go through and just like we're gonna go back and look at the release calendar for this year in video games. Um, let's kind of do a little year in review for for gaming. Uh, the, something we did we started doing last year. Uh, it works out too, so that way uh, Gables and I can have a nice. Uh, that way we can have next weekend off for the for the holidays, uh, and then we'll be back uh, in two weeks. Um, so you have an episode. We have this episode this week. We'll have the year review next week, and then two weeks from now, Gables and I will start our game of the year podcast for 2023, ranking our top ten games for games that came out uh, in the year 2023. Uh, that'll be two parts. Uh, we'll record those both on the same night again. And then we'll, that one will come out one week. The other one will come out that next week. So this is our last like normal show for for about a month. So yeah. um, <laughs> pretty crazy. So um, you know if, if something big happens or whatever, we'll come back and we'll like if there's like a Nintendo Direct drops or Xbox has a big thing or PlayStation or whoever something major happens, we'll come back for it. Um, but otherwise, typically you know the, uh, everybody like everybody in the video game uh, world is kind of off um, the next few weeks. So we're gonna. Try to take a couple. This is the only two weeks of the year that Gables and I actually take off recording. Uh, so yeah, uh, we're, we're very much looking forward to it. We'll be able to enjoy the, the holidays with the family. Not to worry about doing this podcast. So if you guys have been listening to us, um, you know this is our last time, last recording session of the year for us. But if you guys listen to us uh, all year or whatever, if you joined us this year, I've been listening to us since um, 20, uh, 2013. Uh, we appreciate it. Thank you guys. Um, please, you know, there's uh, links down below um, to all of our social feeds, uh, you know, uh, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, um, you know, if you're on whatever podcast service you're on, please look for us, Drunk Dash or Drunk Nerds Podcast. You'll find us on there. Like, follow, subscribe, five-star reviews. If you're uh, on, check us out on YouTube, please. We're really pushing the YouTube channel. We're, we're getting up and we're viewers. We're getting really close where we can actually start uh, making some ad revenue on this podcast. So that'd be really great. You know, we're two guys that just do this for fun. Um, we have full-time jobs and we just, we do this because we love video games. It'd be nice if we made a little bit of money on this. So, uh, you guys help us, uh, kind of boost those numbers up. We really appreciate it. You know, like following, subscribe, leaving comments, sharing with your friends, all that stuff. We really would appreciate if you did that for us. But, uh, yeah, I was, uh, I was your host. I was Tyler. And I've been Colonel Gables. So until next time, everyone, enjoy your holidays, enjoy your new year. But most importantly of all, thank you for listening to another fun-filled episode of the Drunk Dash Nerds podcast. Hey, Gables. Yeah. Too sweet. Too sweet, man. (laughs) Bye, guys. See ya.